Thank you for your presence this morning after these busy weeks of Holy Week and then um, octave of Easter. We had beautiful masses even here during the week thanks to Abir Raymond who was able to play the organ for all these masses, which is a good help. And thank you for the help with decoration, uh, either, either physically or materially, the, the help you have given us. So today I would like to talk about abandonment and conformity to the will of God. Why did I pick this subject? Because on Monday we'll have the feast of the Annunciation, when is normally traditionally the feast of the Annunciation. 25th, since it was during Holy Week, of course has been transferred to the Monday <clears throat> after the Quasimodo Sunday. Tomorrow is called the Quasimodo Sunday, first Sunday after Easter. So the Annunciation, abandonment, conformity to the will of God, fiat Miki, the fiat of Our Lady, accepting to become the mother of our Lord and Savior. So let's start right away with the definition. Holy abandonment is different than Obedience, which has its roots in the cardinal virtue of justice, obedience. Whereas abandonment has its roots in the theological virtue of charity. Holy abandonment surrenders one's own will to that of the will of God. But surrender is more than resignation and submission. For it is done out of a total love for and trust in God. After first having accomplished in oneself indifference to the will of God, that is, having no preference whatsoever, but that one always wills what he wills, because he wills it. In resignation, one can may still maintain one's preference while accepting the will of God. This is submission, not surrender, because on, sorry, because one has not completely given up one's own will. <clears throat> abandonment, surrender is more than just resignation submission you still you see that you still keep something in a way you, you accept it but um, abandonment is you let it go you give everything to God for this talk I will my sources will be St. Francis de Sales of course our patron SFDS St. Francis de Sales Love of God Treaties on the Love of God the book number nine, chapter three, book number nine of the love of submission, whereby our will is united to God's good pleasure. And chapter three of the union of our will to the divine good pleasure in spiritual affliction by resignation. And also I will use St. Alphonsus Ligori. Ligori. St. Alphonsus, in his great book, Preparation to Death, the last chapter I recommend this book, Preparation to Death, the last chapter on this conformity to the will of God. So first, what we call positive theology. What are the sources we find in the, the, the scriptures themselves, the scriptures, sources of this spirit of resignation, of abandonment in God's, to God's holy will. We have, of course, as I said, the Annunciation itself, the Fiat of Our Lady, we have the fiat of the Magi, in a way, you know, accepting to follow this star and um, crosses all these lands to worship the Son of God. We have the fiat of Abraham, his son Isaac. <coughs> we have the fiat of Moses, in a way, to guide God's chosen people. We have the fiat of Job. And Jeremiah's, if you have been a little bit attentive during Holy Week and if you have been um, present at the office of Tenebrae, I will give a little thing at the end uh, about Jeremiah's <clears throat> Tenebrae, these three days before Easter, uh, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, we have Tenebrae in the morning. Here we sung it only on um, Holy Saturday, but we have these beautiful lessons of uh, Jeremiah's um, the lamentations and um, Job of course on the other hand Job 
accepting God's will through all these trials when you're the temptation to despair, be discouraged because of your own faults, of because of what you see around you, well, go back to the book of Job or Jeremiah's, this Old Testament as well, is full of um, spiritual um, benefits, of course, for our lives. And finally, and most of all, we have the fiat of our Lord himself, Christ on the cross. And remember when he said at the Garden of Olives, may this chalice be uh, kept away from me. And of course, we should not understand that as Christ refusing to accept God's will. But remember, in Christ we have two natures, human nature and divine nature. And so it's his human nature here that was speaking in a way. And he knew the weakness weaknesses of and the frailty of our human nature and of his human nature and therefore he says no I cannot do it on a, on a human level I cannot accept the cross this is too heavy for me in a way but not my will but thine and then divine will takes over and his divine uh, nature is of course able to carry this cross but that's we have to look at both the human and divine natures of our Lord when analyzing this little passage. And of course, also before His Passion, we have the Our Father itself. Remember, this is the one prayer that Christ gave us. Uh, Thy will be done. So these are for the, the sources for your, to help you with your meditation. Um... <clears throat> Another terrorist attack in Germany right now. Poor Europe. So, yeah, to help you with your meditation, these texts from the Bible uh, are essential. We call it again, when we look at a certain topic in theology, we start with what we call the positive theology, what we have, positive, the material we have, of course, from the scriptures. um, And then we... Um, develop this and we call it the speculative theology that's the part that we will uh, develop right now so three points today first the excellence of this virtue I just follow here the three points given by Saint um, no by um, Don Léodé it's a French monk I think yeah it exists in English it's called the uh, Holy Abandonment I think Holy Abandoned. It's a good book too. Three three points. The excellence of this virtue of resignation, abandonment to God's will. The second point will be in what we should conform to God's will. And third, happiness derived from this conformity to God's will. <clears throat> so first of all, St. Francis of Sales says, Now, of all the efforts of perfect love, that which is made by acquaintance or acceptance, consent of spirit in spiritual tribulation is doubtless the purest and noblest. And St. Francis de Sales and many spiritual authors give us this distinction first. God therefore manifests his will to us in two ways. By the rules he has made for us and by the various events which he causes to occur in our lives. In the former, we have the signified will of God. You will find that often with St. Francis itself, the signified will of God. And the is good pleasure. signified will of God and his will of good pleasure the signified will first by his signified will God proposes to us clearly and in advance the truth he would have us believe he rewards the sorry the rewards he would have us hope for the penalties he would have us fear the good he would have us love the commandments he would have us observe the counsels 
he would have us follow. This is called the signified will. Sign, sign, signal, sign. Um, something that is clear. A sign guides you. You don't have the choice, really. When you're driving, you have to follow the signs. Signs are given to you. It's not like... Um, um, how do you call it? Um, contingent things that are happening, accidental things, but it's it's there. You you have the path is traced for you already. The signifying signal sign again helps too. This is called the signify will because God, by it, indicates and makes known to us what He has ordained and intends. Should be the object of our faith, of our hope of our fear, of our love, and our practice. We are therefore conformed to the signified will when our wills embrace whatever the divine goodness indicates to be an object of its intention. When we believe according to its teaching, hope according to its promises, fear according to its menaces. It's a French word. (laughs) Menaces. 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 Menace. No, according to God's menaces? That doesn't make sense. Because to menace is um, yeah. like an evil thing. So no, not necessarily. It's yeah, menace is like something bad. In English, it's in English it's, it's, Well, in French, too. In French, too, I, I see what you mean. It's like a, a punishment. You, th- you okay, think of okay. a punishment. So God, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like justice. Not, a menace to society, right? That's right. like you yeah. use it like that. Like that's that's a, yeah, a danger yeah. or a blight on society. Well, when we ask God not to punish us, yes. Sorry. Well, God, in a way, menaces us of hell if you... If you well, in the Our Father, we're asking yeah. not to be... Um, no, but still, on the part of God, you can have a certain menace because of His divine justice. He can... You know that if you do that, God... Yeah you will be sent to hell. But again, it's this whole uh, um, difficulty of understanding mercy, and I, I talked a little bit about it yesterday, mercy and justice. We have to keep the two together. God is merciful, but He's just as well. And uh, there is a menace of hell if you don't follow His holy will. And that's willed by God in a way, because the sinner cannot... Uh, God cannot suffer any any sin, so unfortunately the sinner cannot be um, in the presence of God when instead of a grave sin, for instance, love and live according to its ordinances and admonitions. Now his will of good pleasure. If we can shut the door. <clears throat> His will of good pleasure. There is also His will of good pleasure, which we must look for in all events. In everything that befalls us, in sickness, in death, in affliction, in consolation, in adversity and prosperity. Briefly, in all unforeseen occurrences. The divine will can be seen without difficulty in the events which come directly from God as their author. It is in tribulations especially that we must recognize the will of God. Not that He loves these for their own sake, that's where it's important, but He employs them as an effective means of vindicating right order, of remedying our failings, of healing and sanctifying our souls. Furthermore, we have to see His will, yet only a permissive will, even in our own sins and in those of our neighbor. God, of course, does not concur in the formal element of sin, which constitutes malice. Malice. Rather, he hates it with an infinite hatred. He does all that depends on him to deter us therefrom. He condemns it and visits it with its chastisement. But since we cannot perform any action without his concurrence, in order not to impede this exercise of the liberty wherewith he has endowed us, He gives that concurrence for the material act of sin, which belongs in truth to the natural use of our faculties. Moreover, he wills to draw good out of evil, and with that object in view, 
to make our own and our neighbor's shortcomings serve for the sanctification of souls through the practice of penitence, patience, humility, mutual support, and forbearance, and so on. So, of course, our salvation consists in loving God. <clears throat> the perfection of love consists, then, in the uniformity of our will with the divine will. Salvation, my love of God, to be confirmed to His holy and divine will. The union of the wills between lovers, if you look at a couple, uh, of course, the, the first uh, thing you should work on is the union of the wills together. One heart, one will. <clears throat> Hebrew, a sacrifice and offering thou, thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. Then I said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. And St. John, I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him, of him that sent me. And here St. Francis the Sales, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, sorry. Ask the question, where is, um, is the, the will the subject of charity? So is my willpower um, as its seat, is thrones in, my, in the charity or elsewhere, the, uh, other virtue? Uh, I don't know. Um, so if you look at the Summa, Segunda, uh, Segunda, Question 24, the first article. Um, how does it phrase it? This is a little bit technical, but it'll make sense. The will is the subject of. Charity. Let's. The question that is being asked. So we know, according to St. Thomas, Aquinas, and Aristotle before him, that in our human nature we have um, two different appetites. What we tend for, what uh, I look for, I seek for. The first appetite is sensitive. The second is intellective. Sensitive, my senses, what I, what I want, what I desire, what I tend for through my senses, my look, uh, touches, and the other one is more intellectual, intellective, my intelligence itself. So of course, it's first through my senses that I get this information that then my intelligence can reason, but first I. My first appetite is uh, the sensitive one. I get the information through my senses. If I want to think of a table, well, I have to first see what a table looks like. I can touch it. I can tell what it is, what material. Then I can um, make it more uh, intellectual. So that's, these are the two main appetites. You know, appetites, we understand, tendency, um, um, desires that are in us, sensitive and intellectual. Both have for their own objects, for the sensitive one, sensible objects, sensible material things, sensible good. A good It's always what I tend for is always something good. Even when I commit a suicide, I expect uh, something good out of it. I want to be free from this horrible life I'm going through. So that's part of us. It's always to tend to what either I consider as being good or what is good in itself. So sin is a misunderstanding of this good. That's why when we study uh, the existence of evil, uh, evil in itself uh, 
has no um, existence is the absence of good. It's the perception, it's a perception of the good that I have that is wrong because of my reason not being well ordered and so on. Because of my passions, my perfections of my nature and so on. So um, for the sensitive appetite, what is the object? Why do I look for is sensible object good as being sensible object. So uh, good, we'll say good or goods in particular, like this basket, that's something good. There is an existence, there is a creation, there is something, uh, but it's something very particular. I can define it. Uh, there are boundaries of that thing. For my intelligence, the good that I look for, that I seek, is universal. Something much um, greater, much um, the universal good. And what is the ultimate universal good? Of course, it's God himself. What I look for in this more, not spiritual, but more uh, yeah, intellectual, I'm trying to find a little vocabulary, but um, aspect of my appetite is the universal good and God being the supreme good. So here I tend to the supreme good. Oops, God himself. Now here, um, St. Thomas says that this part is really my, the object of my will, my will itself. lost Therefore, since the supreme good, of course, what makes this union between my intellective appetite and God is love, the virtue of love, charity. That's why then we can say that my will, here, this particular appetite, is um, the subject of charity itself because of this connection here between my intelligence, this, this appetite, and God himself is a relation of love. So charity being the seat and that helps us to go back to our conformity of to God's will. The first motive of this conformity to God's will is love, <coughs> charity, the virtue of charity. St. Matthew, whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Blessed, I think he's blessed, blessed Henry Suzo said, I would much rather be the villiest worm on earth, according to the will of God, than a seraphim according to my own. St. Teresa wrote, All that he ought to try to procure, who exercises himself in prayer, is to conform his own to the divine will. And he may be assured that in this confirmation, the highest perfection consists. He who most aims at such conformity will receive from God the choicest gift and will make most progress in spiritual life. St. Teresa Avila. And of course we have also the great example of St. Paul in the Acts of the Apostles. Lord, what will thou, that wilt thou have me to do? Um, that's the first thing he said after our Lord appeared to him what do you want of me now 
So once he saw the truth, once he saw Christ, his only desire, his only will out of love was to perfectly confirm his will to God's, to do the will of God. Of course, because he knew, he understood that he was his creator. And so if he's my creator, he knows what is best for me. Um, did anybody watch the movie St. Paul already? Is it good? It's, uh, it really is good. I recommend it. Excellent. I'm going uh, yeah next week. Um, apparently it's more uh, focused on two martyrs more than just St. Paul himself. It's just his conversion. and No, it's more focused on Luke. Luke. And the spreading of the gospel, the early community, persecution. Um, the acting is superb. I was the only one in the theater. I went at 1130. I had the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> got in for six bucks. But really go see it. It really is good. And I don't even go to movies. That's the last thing I want to do. To fulfill the divine will, in short, is the aim of all our desires, devotions, meditation, communions. It expresses the scope of all our prayers, the seeking for grace, that we may follow all that God would have us do. The asking for light and strength, to conform ourselves in all things to His will, but especially in embracing, in the embracing of these things which are opposed to our self-love. As Venerable Avila said that a single blessed to God, a blessed be God, for things contrary to us, was a more avail than an infinity of thanksgiving for such things as please us. Blessed be God. <clears throat> Second point in what we should conform to God's will. St. Francis of says, The love of the cross makes us undertake voluntary afflictions, as for example, fasting, watching, and other hair shirts, and other macerations of the flesh, mortifications of the flesh, and makes us renounce pleasures, honors, and riches. And the love in these exercises is very delightful to the beloved. Yet it is still more so when we receive sweetly and contentedly pains, torments, and tribulations by reason of the divine will which sends us them. But love is then at its height when we not only receive affliction with patience and with sweetness, but cherish love and embrace them for the sake of the divine good pleasure whence they proceed. And he concludes, it is thus Theotimus, remember he writes the treatise on the love of God to Theotimus uh, the one who fears God it's just a, a name for the book Theotim, Timere and Theos, Theos in Greek God, Timere, to fear the fear of God, the one who feared God and for the introduction of the love of God the um, introduction to the devout life he uses the name Philotia Philo the love, friendship, the love, and theos, again, the, the love of God, the one who loves God. <clears throat> the soul, he says, is sometimes so overcharged with interior afflictions that all our faculties and powers are oppo oppressed by the privation of all that might relieve her and by the apprehension and feeling of all that can be grievous to her. So that in imitation of her Savior, she begins to be troubled, to fear, and to be dismayed, and at length to sadden with a sadness like to that of the dying. Whence she may rightly say, My soul is sorrowful even unto death. And with the consent of her whole interior, she desires, petitions, supplicates, that if it be possible, again this chalice may pass, having nothing left her save the very supreme point hover spirit he uses often this um, expression the supreme point of her spirit this very last part deepest part of her soul that still remains when everything seems to fall apart this little thing like a little spark let, that keep this uh, presence of God in mind which cleaving heart to the divine will and good pleasure 
says in the most sincere submission, O Eternal Father, ah, not mine, but thy will be done. We must conform ourselves to the will of God, not only in things contrary to us, which come directly from God, such as loss of health, desolation of spirit, loss of relatives or possessions, but even in those ills which come from Him indirectly, slanders, slights, injustices, and all other kinds of persecution. And we should remember that when we are injured by anyone in our goods, in our honor, that God does not will the sin of him who injures us, but that he rightly wills our poverty and our humiliation. A relation here right away between abandonment and humility. And I thought about it yesterday. There is no other virtues, I think, for Christ than meekness and humility that we are that's the only one he gave of himself. Learn from me because I'm meek and humble of heart, humility. He didn't say, I'm pure, I'm chaste, I am charitable, I am, uh, I don't know, obedient. Uh, No, I am meek and humble. What a lesson for us, of course, although he was God. Meekness, we found our virtue of charity and for the holy abandonment to God's will and humility, resignation of our own will. In short, all things come from God, those that are good and those that are evil. Of course, again, God does not create evil. He allows us for our conversion, maybe, and he always, um, um, as St. Paul said, uh, um, how do you say, uh, extract from good, from evil, uh, good. We call them evil since we think and make them evil to us. But if we would accept them with resignation as coming from the hands of God, they would become to us not not evils, but blessings. And if you make a little examination of conscience, how easy it is for us to accept all these little tribulations, all these little crosses, uh, if we look carefully, compare with what happens around us, you know, sometimes we want to complain, we want to give up, but we just have to open our eyes and look around us at examples we have of much more difficult situation that um, this neighbor, this person handles with so much love as well. And in our little, tiny little lives, most of the time, um, there is no great sacrifices asked of us, but simply the constant resignation to God's will in little things. Great sacrifices are made out of small acts of resignations. Job, the holy Job, the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. And I thought yesterday of the construction project. He took away, blessed be God. He gives back. (laughs) Yeah, keep giving back. He will provide, but patience and again humility. And when actions are becoming too human, too self-centered, too selfish, there is no lasting fruits either. So again, abandonment. Quotes from martyrs. Two martyrs, what are the names? Um, Epictetus and Atto. When they were tortured with iron hooks, and burning torches, they only said, Lord, fulfill thy will in us. And when dying, these were their last words, Be thou blessed, O eternal God, since thou hast given us grace to fulfill thy good pleasure. And again, how it is, uh, how easy it is for us to say that daily in all these little things. This is this, the little path, the hidden path of St. Therese of the Little Flower, again. Meditate on that every time we have devotions to St. Therese of the Little Flower. Now that you have this beautiful relic near, um, right next to the beautiful image of St. Therese, ask her, ask her to accept these little crosses and to be a holy, to be a martyr through these little, um, the acceptation of these little 
um, trials sent to us. And what greater happiness can there be than to endure some cross and to know that by embracing it, we give pleasure to God. This is our third part, happiness and true peace that comes out of this abandonment to God. St. Matthew, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight, O Lord, so that uh, so hath it pleased thee, so let it be. Happiness derived from conformity to God's will. <clears throat> the main point is that the soul makes this resignation among such a world of troubles, contradictions, repugnances, that she hardly even perceives that she makes, she makes it. At least it seems done so coldly, lukewarmness, as not to be done from her heart, nor properly, since what then goes on for the divine good pleasure is not only done without delight and contentment, but even against the pleasure and liking of all the rest of the, the heart, which is permitted by, the, by love to bemoan itself and to cite out all the lamentations of Job and Jeremiah. Yet, with the condition that a sacred peace be still preserved in the depth of our hearts, in the highest and most delicate point of the spirit. Again, this very delicate most delicate point of the spirit. The point you, you think of a, a spear, like the virion. In French, the expression he uses is la pointe de l'âme. La pointe is really the... If you have a spear, it's the very end, this little tiny point um, of our soul. But this submissive peace is not tender or sweet. It is scarcely sensible though sincere, strong, and changeable, and full of love. And here you see the difficulty of the spiritual life with St. Francis de Sales. Sometimes we are accused, or St. Francis de Sales is accused of too much, uh, um, how do you call it, uh, too much uh, not being strong enough, you know, like, uh, is not a St. Ignatius, soldier, military spirit, militant, well, it's actually a very militant and very um, demanding spiritual life as well with St. Francis de Sales. In the acceptance, again, none of these huge sacrifices, not expecting the battlefield and all that, but what is my battlefield? It's this daily contradiction, these daily things happening to me because of my nature, because of my temperament, because of people around me. It's a constant work on ourselves, so much more demanding than just expecting you know, great things like St. Therese of the Little Flower. Again, they go together very well. It seems to have betaken itself to the very end of the spirit as into the dungeon. Dungeon? Dungeon? The tower? Dungeon? The dungeon keep, the dungeon keep of the fort, where it remains in its high courage, though all the rest be taken and oppressed with sorrow. And in this case, the more love is deprived of, our, of all helps and cut off from the aid of the powers and faculties of the soul, the more it is to be esteemed for preserving its fidelity so constantly. He who, unite, who is united to the divine will enjoys even in this life perpetual peace. Blessed life, happy life, because in perfect um, oh, should I forgot to look at the translation of this word? Unison? No, you probably don't have, like, once, once, unison? Okay. Unison with our Creator. We are in unison with the will of our Creator, right? Not, of course, that God, uh, um, arranges His will to ours. No, but it's ours. Uh, arranging our will to his, of course. Resigned souls, if they are humble, have what they desire. If they suffer poverty, they wish to be poor. In short, they will 
all things just as they happen, and therefore they lead a blessed life. And it's totally different from any kind of indifferentism, spiritual passivism, passivism, doing nothing, you know, or last time I think I mentioned that, stoicism with uh, the philosophy of um, Socrates, like trying to resort, trying to cancel any emotion in me. No, it's much more than that. As I said, it costs. And the price of this life, of this abandonment, is a sincere and deep humility, which is opposed to our very nature itself, very selfish, very self-centered. So it costs. He who rests upon the divine will and who is pleased with whatsoever the Lord may do is like one placed above the clouds who sees the tempest roll with so great rage below, but they do not touch him, neither hurt nor disturb him. So we see, of course, we go through this tempest, we see that we might be uh, afflicted with these things around us or in us, but we see always beyond. We see our eternal union with God. We see that behind the clouds, there is this promised union with him in heaven all things that are happening to us have a purpose they can lead me to heaven and again St. Teresa of the Little Flower everything is grace as she said everything is grace the fool that is to say the sinner is changed as the moon he increases today he lessens tomorrow today he laughs tomorrow he cries Today he is bright and altogether cheerful. Cheerful. Tomorrow he is afflicted and morose. In short, he changes as things prosperous or adverse happen to him. But the righteous man, like the sun, is ever equal and uniform in his tranquility in all things that may happen. For his peace rests in his conforming himself to the divine will. And again, sin creates... A disorder increases this disorder. That's why there is no peace possible in the sinner. Because the order willed by God has been damaged, destroyed, uh, sh- sh- shattered, shattered in a way. <clears throat> so the sinner needs to, of course through confession, reinstore this order in his heart, in his soul, in his mind. And that's how he can conform them his will to God's will and there is no again um, so it's not here okay we accept anything we do everything even sin and God whatever if I'm open to his will um, I'll go to heaven that's a modern tendency too you know but since um, hell doesn't exist (laughs) (laughs) Um, sorry that was too tempted (laughs) Um, so it's not we, we, we let everything go no it's a real demanding life really demanding life because again this order this peace is possible if sin is being expelled from our soul God and sin cannot dwell together we cannot fail to feel in the interior part of our soul some stings from adverse adverse things but in the superior part, what St. Francis would call the point, delicate point of the spirit, the superior part, peace will ever reign when our will is united with that of God. So again, it's different from stoicism. Sometimes we can be accused of stoicism, you know, letting, uh, trying to uh, suppress all these emotions. No, I'm just united with, with God, but... Passivism, you know, no, it's 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 more than that. I still have these um, little things that constantly um, um, arrest my arrest my soul. My no, arrest doesn't disturb. Disturb, um, irritate. irritate. Thank you. Irritate my my soul, my feelings. Uh, yes, but the superior part of my soul should still be guiding this inferior part and still be um, focused on. God's love and God's will. These miserable, these sinners, 
have to suffer indeed the cross, but without fruit and without peace. When, as we know, the two ways of accepting cross is accepting these daily difficulties. Either, you know, you, well, it's not even a question of accepting them. It's just you have to go through them. You cannot get rid of them. So there are two ways of getting um, through these crosses. Either you drag your cross, you know, and it's much heavier. Or the second way is you kiss your cross, you accept it, and God will carry it with you. So that's why these miserable sinners who accept their who carry their crosses without being united to God, their cross bear no fruit and no peace possible. <clears throat> what else does God will if not your good? This is the will of God, even your sanctification. Saint Paul. All the crosses which come to us from God work together for good. St. Paul, a Roman, work together for good. Psalm 11, uh, 40. No. It seems to be 11. The Lord cares for me. That makes me think of this sign on the Lakeshore Drive. What is the sign I'm talking about? <laughs> you are beautiful. <laughs> the Lord cares for you, for me. You are beautiful. <laughs> I always take it very personally when I... <laughs> the Lord cares for me. You are beautiful. You are loved. I mean, yeah, if we have these things outside, we can use them in a good way, you know. Uh, you are beautiful. Yeah, you have been created image of God. God loves you, but he hates sin. So again, it's not like this Protestant, oh, you're beautiful and grace is everywhere even when sin is present. No. But uh, you see what I mean. Proof of his love, he cares for us. He sent his only begotten son to die on the cross. I've been meditating on this uh, last week. Let us say with the sacred spouse, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Canticle, Song of Songs. <clears throat> Again, a few quotes, Acts chapter 9. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? I said it again uh, already. And again, tell me, O Lord, what thou willest me to do, that I may do it with all my will. And finally, Luke chapter 1. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. That's why I like to go back to the Magnificat, um, that's always the prayer I, I say after Mass. If you wonder, uh, what am I bumbling? Uh, <laughs> going back to the, the sacristy, we, we're supposed to say a psalm. Um, so you, you, can, you can, yeah, the Magnificat, you can pray the Magnificat. Um, it's, it's a beautiful prayer of Our Lady, the acceptation of God's holy will through the, the joy of Our Lady too. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, Magnificat, is it familiar with, are you familiar with this? Uh, in English it's, uh, um, magnify, my, my soul magnify the, the Lord, I think. <clears throat> in addition to these, hold as sweet the third petition of the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Let us say it often with affection and repeat it many times over. Happy are we if we live and die, saying, Thy will be done. And I will conclude with this quote from the spiritual director of St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. Alacoque. The Sacred Hearts, remember, visitation. Um, so her spiritual director, uh, Father de la Colombière, when you find yourself in affliction, remember that the cause of your trouble is he who willed to pass his whole life in pain in order to save you from eternal pains. He whose angels is always at your side, by his order watching over your ways. He on your altars prays without ceasing and sacrifices himself a thousand times a day in your interest. He who comes to you in the sacrament of the Eucharist with so much goodness. 
He who has no greater pleasure than to unite himself with you, to converse with you. But you will say, he smites, he smits, smites me. S-M-I-T-E-S. He smites me cruelly and lays his hands heavily on me. How can you feel afraid of a hand that has been pierced for you and permitted itself for your sake to be fastened to the cross? He makes me walk along a thorny path. If there was no other path leading to heaven, would you rather perish for eternity than suffer for a time? Is it not the same path which he has traveled before you and for love of you? Do you find in it a single thorn that has not been crimsoned with his blood, crimson with his blood. He offers me a chalice full of bitterness. Yes, but remember, it is your Savior who offers it, loving you so dearly. How could he have the heart to treat you with this severity unless he saw it was immensely profitable to you or urgently necessary? And this being said, we will now go for duration so keep this in mind as we approach the, the feast of the Annunciation um, holding Mary's hand for this new liturgical year in a way after Easter time for good resolutions Lent is over but time for resolutions is not over so take advantage of um, adoration for for that to just think of one or two efforts for your spiritual life thank you <coughs> In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Saint Michael, the Archangel. Defend us from battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, to cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking your souls. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus. Most sacred heart of Jesus. Most sacred heart of Jesus. Have mercy on us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.